Georgia's DBHDD is urging people to store and lock away all medications to prevent theft and keep them away from children and pets. Old medications can be disposed at Dropbox locations. Dropbox locations can be found at opioidresponse.info. Thanks for listening to the Political Rewind podcast. Be sure to like and follow us and rate us on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. It's time for another edition of Political Rewind. I'm Bill Nygut. Thanks to all of you out there uh, who are with us. Um, for those of you uh, who listen to the show regularly, uh, you know that Ron DeSantis's name comes up with some regularity on our show. And for quite a while now, for months and months, uh, the Florida governor has really been in the national news on an almost daily basis, usually uh, as he pursues his uh, culture war agenda, which we're going to talk about a bit today. So we watch DeSantis from the distance of a neighboring state here in Georgia, but no one knows um, a, a, someone like DeSantis as well as the journalists who are in the state and have been covering him with some regularity. And we're going to talk to two of those uh, journalists on the show today. Before I introduce them, let me introduce our uh Panelists who are on the show with some frequency. Jim Galloway, former political columnist for the Atlanta Journal-Constitution, is back with us as he is on Fridays. Jim, thanks for being here. No, enjoyed it. Looking forward to the, the conversation here. Yeah, me too. And uh, your former colleague, Tia Mitchell, uh, who is the Washington reporter for the Atlanta Journal-Constitution, is with us as well. Hi, Tia. How are you? Tia, are you muted? We're uh, uh, we're gonna chase. We're gonna try to fix Tia's uh, audio and 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 get back to her. Um, I don't think that'll be too difficult to do. Let me introduce our uh, Florida journalist. Tim Craig is a national reporter for the Washington Post. Um, you have had quite a career with the Post, um, Tim. You were the bureau chief uh, in Afghanistan and Pakistan. Um, have done service in Europe. And uh, now you're in really dangerous territory for a journalist trying to deal with Ron, Ron DeSantis. But thank you so much for being here. And let me add, you're based in Fort Lauderdale, so you've really uh, been been through it with the weather, with the rain down there. Uh, yes, good morning, guys. The rain has finally stopped, though, and the sun is back out. Let's hope it stays that way. Um, but it was quite the, quite the rain event the last 48 hours here in Fort Lauderdale. Yeah, well, we've been thinking a lot about what people have been going through down there. And we're very grateful to you after a kind of a difficult time the last couple of days that you could join us for our show today. We're also joined by Danny Rivero, who is a reporter and host at WLRN-FM in Miami, where, Danny, you are the uh, host of Florida Roundup, right? That, that's right. That's right, Bill. Um, yeah, I host a statewide political show, do a lot of reporting, investigative reporting on uh, local politics and follow the state politics very closely. Thanks for having me on. Well, we, yeah, um, we're really happy uh, that you are with us today. So let me start. You know, we happen to have great luck, Jim, on this show. We book shows in advance. And for one reason or another, uh, breaking news always <laughs> seems to coincide with the show that we're doing. We started talking about doing a show on DeSantis a while ago, and here we are today, and overnight DeSantis signed into law a bill which he was very uh, uh, eager to uh, get through the legislature, establishing a ban on abortions after six weeks of pregnancy. It's virtually the same uh, law that Georgia passed with its heartbeat bill. So here he is in the news today. Yeah, but it's it's uh, it's, it's uh, the, our our guest can kind of explain explain better than me. But it doesn't go in, into effect immediately because you've got some action in in the Florida State Supreme Court on the previous bill, uh, the one that banned abortions after fifteen weeks, which DeSantis signed last year. Um. So, uh, Tim, the I get that this there's going to be um, some delay in, in implementing this measure. But clearly, this is all part of Ron DeSantis's uh, 
uh, uh, plan to continue focusing on hot button issues that he thinks are important to the base. Yes. Uh, yeah, I think that's right. And, you know, the one reason why this is a, a little bit surprising is abortion never seemed to be one of Ron DeSantis' top issues. Like, he, he was not out, he's not a conservative, social conservative politician who's out there particularly talking about it. He, in the beginning, when Roe versus Wade was actually initially struck down, he actually seemed a little reticent to get involved, and he didn't really seem like he wanted to press this issue one way or the other, trying to figure out where it plays politically. But over the summer and into the fall and into the winter of this year, he kind of made a shift, and he, to the surprise of some, he did embrace the six-week um, six ban. And I think that's clearly a sign that he's looking towards running for president um, because you know, we all know the Republican Party at this stage would be kind of hard to win a nomination unless you are, you know, identified with the the uh, the anti-abortion movement. So I think this is all pretty much a clear sign that he is gearing up to run for president. And he signed the but he signed the bill last night, um, thirty at night, no public access, no media access which may still be a sign that he's quite not sure how this is going to play out politically. When Ron DeSantis wants to stop something, he'll have a big bill signing. He'll he'll make sure that the, at least the local media is there to cover it. Uh, he'll have, a, you know, he'll banners up saying his agenda. This was not that. He did it in the dead of night um, at 1030 at night at a time when, you know, a quarter of the state in South Florida was focused more on the weather than they were on the politics in Tallahassee. So I think that all speaks to sort of his still, you know, uncertainty about how this plays out politically. Um, if he would become the Republican nominee, there's a lot of talk nationally that this issue may come back to hurt him um, with the general election electorate. Danny, I thought of the same things that Tim is talking, talking about. First of all, the fact that um, he signed this bill very quickly. The legislature has passed it uh, in the last 24 hours. He didn't allow any time to go by for perhaps opposition to build for it to become a big headline story. Uh, and then, as Tim points out, he signs it in the dead of night. We've seen similar action by uh, Governor Kemp here in Georgia. We had a controversial transgender bill in the legislature uh, this year. It passed, and in a similar fashion, Kemp signed it very quietly, uh, very quickly. So I, I think what Tim is saying about DeSantis and other Republicans being a little uncertain about how to deal with abortion at this point. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I I agree completely. The fact that it was signed, you know, not open to the public is not typical for a big ticket item for Florida Republicans like this. I mean, it does, I believe, reflect the fact that virtually any polling you look at, any surveys you look at, Florida, even within the South, is different. I mean, it, 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 thoughts about abortion is one of the, the only ways that we remain like a purple-ish state. Like, this does not poll well at all in the state of Florida. Um, and I will mention, you know, it, it will directly affect listeners listening in Georgia. I mean, mm -hmm. uh, over the last year, the amount of abortions that Florida has been performing as the, the the six week ban went into effect in Georgia has skyrocketed, especially along, you know, the panhandle. So people were coming down regularly from Georgia and Alabama to get access to abortions. We also have a lot of people coming from the Bahamas on boats to get abortions. Um, so this is a very big deal. Um, and it's also just a, a pretty sharp turn. I mean, when the legislature passed the 15-week abortion ban last year, um, the governor held a press conference and he was asked, will you go farther? And he said, I don't know if I'll go farther. Like, we don't know that the state constitution even allows a 15-week ban because we have very strong privacy provisions in the state constitution. So he said, I don't know if we want to go further than that. And then it's a big shift from that to essentially the, the very moment that the legislature sends it to him, he signs it. and um, you know, it's 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 a landmark earthquaking thing that just happened overnight here in Florida. T, I think we've established you again, so please jump in. Yes, and um, hello, and and thanks for having me. Um, I find it just so interesting for those who 
you know, I worked in Florida for 20 years covering state and local government before coming to Georgia. And five years ago, when I left Florida, you would not have been able to convince me that like Georgia would be the purple state and Florida would be the one perceived as deep red. Um, but I think that, you know, Republicans have grabbed a hold, particularly at the state level. They Democrats have a very weak bench and just haven't been able to find candidates, many candidates that can win statewide. That being said, the Florida electorate is not as conservative on a lot of these issues as the policies DeSantis and the state legislature are pushing. Mm -hmm. They're Republican in a lot of ways, the Cuban community, um, things like that. They're, 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 but I don't think they necessarily want all these things to happen. But what the legislature is doing is basically giving DeSantis his way, um, helping DeSantis run for president. And that's great for DeSantis. It's definitely not popular, even among Republican voters. And in the long term, it might not be the best kind of course of action. Danny, can, I can, think. Can I step in is, here and add something? Go ahead. Yeah, I, I was. I just wanted to mention, I mean, just a little bit of history here with with Governor DeSantis of how sharply things have turned to the right. I mean, when DeSantis was running for office in 2018, he ran as a kind of Trump Republican. He had the, you know, the ad with him playing with blocks with with his son saying, build that wall. Yes, he ran as a as a conservative Trump Republican. When he came into office, though, he for months and months, for the first two years or so, I would say, of of, of him being in office, he ran the state more or less as a moderate. Um, one of the first things he did was he created a, an office of sustainability. He announced new, major new environmental programs. He earned a lot of accolades from Democrats. He worked with the Black Caucus in 2020 to pass some pretty major criminal justice reforms. He was governing more or less as a moderate. He was very popular, actually. The shift turned when Donald Trump lost the presidential election. And then he started positioning himself as the opposition to President Biden. That's when the shift happened. And then the legislature, you know, Democrats don't have much strength at all. They lost they, they lost major races. The Republicans have a supermajority. And then now it's essentially whatever DeSantis says, they'll do. I mean, there's not even a whole lot of debate happening now. Uh, Tim, just, uh, expand. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Please go ahead, Tim. No, but I, what I was going to, uh, related to the abortion issue, what I also think is interesting, if you would have asked me six months ago, what would the political environment look like in Florida if the state was poised to ban abortion down to six weeks, I would have said there would have been a lot of protests. There would have been, you know, 10,000 people marching in Tallahassee. You would have had even bigger protests in South Florida and Orlando. Um, that really did not happen this time. Like the entire, a lot of the organizational um, heft and uh, of the left and the political opposition seems in many ways to have melted away. And I, I think mm -hmm. part of that is, you know, their stunning defeat in the last election where they lost by 19 points in a state where most previous statewide candidates won or lost by less than 2%. And, but I also think it's kind of uh, the left here is kind of overloaded. There's been so much controversial legislation passed through so quickly, touching on so many hot button issues that in some ways it seems they have sort of given up in, 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 a, in a way of being a vocal effective opposition to him, which makes his job even easier. Um, there's a uh, super, they do have super majorities in the legislature, so that's another issue that they really know they can't slow this stuff down. But I was just surprised that there wasn't more of an organized opposition, um, protest rallies um, uh, in effect before this <laughs> took place. Jim, let I totally let me. I'm I'm sorry, uh, uh, Danny. Let me let me if I can add a a, a note to all of this, Jim. Um, let's talk about the fact that you know Danny's already told us that um, he thinks DeSantis really came into his own uh, as a power when uh, Trump lost in 2020. I would like to take it back even further uh, and remind people that in 2018. DeSantis fought a very close contest for governor uh, against uh, Democrat Andrew Gillum. He won, I think, 
Uh, it was 49.6 to 49.2 percent, so he barely won that race. But a turning point, it strikes me, was his race against Charlie Crist. He has already mentioned that Florida Democrats don't have a great bench. Charlie Crist, uh, popular at one point in Florida, not a great opponent uh, in uh, the most recent race, 2022. And it strikes me that DeSantis's overwhelming victory in that race also got an enormous amount of national attention and showed the country this was a force to be reckoned with. Yes? Yeah, yeah. And, and, and it provided a direct contrast to Donald Trump. Uh, uh, so, so uh, in Florida, in uh, in Mar-a-Lago land, uh, you, you know, I, I'm uh, what uh, what 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 Tim and, and Danny have, have have said about the the legislative session in Florida. You know, I, I, you have to believe that that's become a tactic. That 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 just sho- shoving issue after issue after issue, bam, 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 before the protest can protest can can mount. That uh, there, there is somebody in a committee in 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 a, in a back room in Florida who who is who is designing that pace. Uh, you you have you you don't you don't we haven't seen that much in Flor in in Georgia, but uh, I'm guessing that you've got a lot of Republicans who who are seeing what's happening in Florida as a, a learning opportunity. Uh, Danny and then Tia jump in on all this. Yeah, no, I just wanted to to jump off of what Tim was saying and and uh, what what Jim is also saying about the just the pace of things. I mean, there there is so much legislation, just groundbreaking, you know, landscape shifting legislation, just flying through the legislature. I mean, like pick your choice. There's there's an there's an anti public union bill that's that's quickly moving through. I mean, in a normal session, that would have been the issue. People don't even know that that's happening. I mean, people are completely overwhelmed at the amount of things that are going on. And they're not just things that are being said. They're things that are being implemented and put into law. And if you're in the opposition in the state of Florida, you don't even know where to start. You don't know what to protest. It's just an overall feeling of everything all at once. Um, and and that's, you know, this that's where Florida is right now. And a lot of Republicans, I mean, they feel great about it because everything they ever wanted is essentially happening. They don't have to pretend to be a moderate state or a purple state anymore, essentially. Uh, Tia, let me uh, amplify that. Uh, 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 Tim's newspaper, The Washington Post, the editorial board uh, published a uh, an editorial this morning about uh, just what uh, Danny is talking about. Let me just read a couple of paragraphs from it. Florida Governor Ron DeSantis describes his state as a citadel of freedom, freedom's linchpin and freedom's vanguard. He titled his memoir, The Courage to be Free, called his budget a framework for freedom. Um, But then the Post goes on to say, not so much. And here's what the editorial says. Backed by GOP supermajorities in both chambers, Mr. DeSantis is waging frontal assaults on press freedom, reproductive freedom, free enterprise, academic freedom as well. Meanwhile, in the name of protecting gun rights, he scaled back prudent safety rules, and now he's poised to target undocumented immigrants, including dreamers, with what will be some of the cruelest policies in America. All of that, Tia, sounds like red meat for the base, but doesn't sound like a general election strategy. Yeah, and I'm glad you read that editorial because that's exactly what I wanted to talk about, which is that DeSantis and the Republican supermajority in the legislature are treating his decisive win in 2022 as some type of mandate to go all in on far right politics, as opposed to being, you know, I think they know that's not fully what happened. Yes, DeSantis was popular for the reasons that Tim and Daniel have talked about, but not for being some ultra MAGA uh, Donald Trump Republican. I don't think that's necessarily what the majority of Florida voters want. Um, And so now that they're, but he did win handily, partially because Charlie Chris was such a weak candidate. Um, 
He's a former Republican turned Democrat who's run so many times in Florida. People, you know, mm. are tired of seeing him on the ballot, quite frankly. Yeah. Um, he did not um, encourage enthusiasm among Democratic voters. And that's why um, they did not turn out and created a very lopsided victory for DeSantis. But the fact they're reading it as a mandate is kind of disingenuous. And again, I don't, I just don't know how this works out for them long-term, but DeSantis isn't thinking about that. He doesn't have to run again um, for a governor. Um, and then the legislature, I think, thinks gerrymandering and, and you know, the way the districts are, 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 are drawn, that they're, they're safe in doing what they please as well. All right. So, Let's talk, Tim, as we've all said, we know that DeSantis has not announced yet. He's expected at some point to announce his travel schedule to states like Iowa, New Hampshire, South Carolina, all suggest he's heading in that direction. Uh, The polling has not been good nationwide for him. Trump continues to build a big lead over him among Republicans, especially since the indictment in New York. But, But Tim, let me play for you. Uh, the audio of an ad that a MAGA pack has been running. I think they've invested more than $3 million in it. And it tells us that the Trump forces uh, certainly want to try to define Ron DeSantis to the country before he can define himself. Let's listen. Think you know Ron DeSantis? Think again. In Congress, DeSantis voted three separate times to cut Social Security. That's right, three times over three years. Worse, DeSantis voted to cut Medicare two times. DeSantis even voted to raise the retirement age to 70. The more you learn about DeSantis, the more you see he doesn't share our values. He's just not ready to be president. Make America Great Again Inc. is responsible for the content of this advertising. So, Tim, what does that tell you that the Trump forces are already spending money on TV ads? Well, I, I think it tells you that they view clearly DeSantis as of all the Republicans running as the biggest threat to Donald Trump regaining the nomination again. I also think it's interesting that the ad seems heavily focused on older voters, you know, older voters who are gonna play a key play a key role in the Republican nomination process. Um and I think it shows that um you know Donald Trump's aggressive, and I, D- Donald Trump is going to be a force that Ron DeSantis is not used, has not faced yet in Florida. And I think it's a big no- unknown how Ron DeSantis responds. Somebody like not just Donald Trump, but Donald Trump's children, or, you know, already start. Some of them are already starting to go after Ron DeSantis. You know, the, the right wing media uh, media echo, echo chamber that Trump has create, uh, helped nurture over the years are going to be going after Ron DeSantis. You already see in Florida with some of the far right, um, far right um, elements of the state party are even going after Ron DeSantis already. And I think that's, it's a big unknown. How does Ron DeSantis hold up the pressure? He has never been sort of tested that much even in Florida. Like we, yeah, we talked about Charlie Chris. Charlie Chris was had his own problems as a candidate, um, as you know, referenced, you know, being a, former Republican, you know, Charlie Chris didn't even get the nomination run until late August for a November election. That was a two-month general election campaign. And what happened for one month of those two months? Hurricane was, or Florida was hit by the third strongest hurricane it's ever been hit by. And that just totally sucked all the oxygen out of the general election campaign, mm-hmm. kind of overshadowed Charlie Chris's message. Um, so I think that's, a, you know, DeSantis is going to have to sort of figure out how he takes on somebody like Donald Trump, who's clear that he's going to go after him. It's clear that Donald Trump, as we all know, has the focal skill and ability to sort of have a, a stake into somebody's heart and, you know, twist it as much as he wants. And he's unreli- he's relentless. Um, I, I think we already are seeing this in the polls, especially after the Stormy Daniels um, related indictment of the president. That Republicans are still naturally inclined to rally around Donald Trump. Mm-hmm. So, what pathway does Ron DeSantis have? Especially as this, you know, this may not be the first indictment. This may be the second indictment, uh, or there may be more indictments to come uh, down the road for Mr. Trump. And is that only going to consolidate the Republican base even more behind uh, Jim, the former president? Jim uh, Galloway. You know, 
yeah, yeah. If 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 I could turn turn it back uh, to to kind of what uh, DeSantis is actually doing in Florida, uh, you know, one of the more intriguing things in that list that you read out from the post, the Washington Post bill was 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 that uh, DeSantis is going is going after dreamers, uh, that he is that he is that he is cutting tuition. Uh, uh, that he, that he he would abolish in-state tuition for 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 the those the children of those who were uh, for those who were brought here as children uh uh by by undocumented uh workers uh and uh, it was it was something put in place by Rick Scott just just a few years earlier uh which which I find rather intriguing uh here in Georgia uh when we have these births of 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 anti-immigrant uh, uh, legislation, the 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 cushion is generally speaking uh, the business and agricultural communities who need who who need the, that that labor, and and I'm wondering if if are are they, have they been silenced? Has the business community been silenced? And and is is the 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 Disney factor playing into this? Uh, yeah, his his fight that, against uh, uh, Disney. Who who was that? I'll tell you what. Let's do this. Tim, I'm sorry, this is Tim Craig, and I was just, just going to say I think that's a, a very salient point that you know in Florida it does seem like the business, business community has been silenced. In many other states, some of the, the actions Ron DeSantis has taken, the businesses, the Chamber of Commerce would step up and say, uh, maybe this is not the best reputation for our state. Uh, the don't say gay law or the so-called don't say gay law last year was an example of that. You know, well, some, and, of, and, his, some of his and, attacks on diversity um, yeah. really drive at the heart of what businesses now feel are important for employment and workforce. And they're not speaking up really in Florida. All right. Um, thank you for a great first segment. We've got a lot more to talk about on uh, our show on Ron DeSantis today, but let's get our first break out of the way and we'll be back with more in a moment. Thanks for listening to Political Rewind. If you like this show, you'll also like Georgia Today. It's a daily podcast from GPB News, bringing you compelling stories and in-depth reporting that you won't hear anywhere else. Join me, Peter Biello, for this quick and convenient way to get the best of GPB News' extensive coverage of the topics that matter to you, delivered directly to your device every weekday afternoon. We're talking today about Florida Governor Ron DeSantis trying to get a little bit better picture of who he is and where he's headed as a potential presidential candidate. Tia Mitchell, Washington reporter of the AJC, Jim Galloway, former political columnist at the paper, um, at Danny Rivero, who is the host of Florida Roundup for WLRN-FM in Miami, and Tim Craig, a national reporter for the Washington Post, based in Fort Lauderdale. Both, I think, have a better close-up view of Ron DeSantis than um, most of us who are uh, not down there. Danny, let me let me stipulate when I ask this question. I understand the fact that our listeners don't really care all that much about how hard it can sometimes be for journalists to do their work. I get that. On the other hand, Ron DeSantis is notoriously unfriendly when it comes to talking to the media answering questions, having open news conferences. And that is, in fact, important to uh, the public because it means that there's no access to get answers from him that may be outside of his talking points. Talk a little bit about what it's like to cover him. Yeah, I, and, and it, it is something that I don't think a lot of people in the general public, frankly, care too much about, but it, but it is really important. I mean, I can, and I'm not exaggerating here. I mean, I can count, I believe, with one hand, the amount of interviews Governor DeSantis has done in his entire tenure as governor with with outlets that are somewhat critical of him. And I'm not exaggerating on that. I mean, almost every time he talks to the media and he does an interview, it's with someone who's totally in alignment with him, someone who will not push back on him, someone who, who will not put him on the spot. Right. And 
I mean, he, we do interact with him in press conferences in a way. I mean, but we all, I mean, you have to realize there's a, there's a certain dynamic to press conferences. There's one person on the po- on the podium with a the microphone. There's us like sitting on our knees <laughs> under him, you know, shouting questions over each other. So there's a very strong power dynamic on it. But I think, I mean, it's one of the things that some political analysts say it's actually going to work against him once this expected presidential run comes out because he does not have a lot of um, practice speaking off the stump. Uh, um, he's not known to be the best rhetorical speaker of, uh, of of handling criticism very well. He can come off very dismissive and combative sometimes, which can put people off. And, um, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll say one thing more about one of his, you know, weaknesses in in a presidential race, um, according to a lot of people, is the 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 camp of of President Donald Trump, his campaign, they've actually been very smart in the way that they're approaching DeSantis because they're not labeling him as like a far left socialist communist. I mean, that's not going to fly here. What they're doing is they're actually using his record. His 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 voting record in Congress, the just using the bare facts of where things are in Florida. I mean, Florida has, and everyone knows this. This is across the political spectrum. We have a, an utter crisis when it comes to home insurance. We pay, I mean, just like transparency. I pay close to ten thousand dollars a year on home insurance. Right. I don't live in a mansion, um, and and there's no sign of this. Um, slowing down or stopping. So you have President Trump and his camp coming out and saying, hey, Florida is not very good, actually. We, <laughs> like, like it's yeah. the cost of living is astronomical. Governor has not fixed this. You know, just on the heels of that, the legislature came in. They said, oh, we're going to do a new bill. We're going to call it the, the insurance accountability bill because, they, you know, Trump said they, they were doing giveaways to the insurance companies and just funneling hundreds of millions of dollars to them, which is kind of true. And 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 they're they're so, using his actual record against him, which is interesting. So, so Tia, I want to pick up on on uh, some of what Danny said there. It's important. Um, Ron DeSantis has not been tested on the national stage, um, and we know. I mean, I covered presidential campaigns for more than twenty years. I know what it's like out there in the arena with candidates who are not really prepared. Um, DeSantis has already made a a, a major. Uh, a mistake in the way he talked about Ukraine, uh, got a lot of pushback on that. And and I do think, and, and I'll be interested in hearing uh, Tim and Jim on this as well, there are questions about once he gets out there, whether he's going to be able to handle the pressure of dealing with all the reporters who are going to be surrounding him trying to get him to talk. I agree um, wholeheartedly because right now his approach to the media is not just dismissive, it's trolling the media. You know, he got a reporter for Axios, his administration got a reporter for Axios fired by, you know, um, posting the email where the reporter said, you know, a press release they sent was propaganda. Um, So it's, it's, it's a situation that I think most people who aren't even in Florida, you're not paying attention to how the governor treats the media, but those who are, I think would be shocked about how juvenile it can get at times with his spokespeople, you know, on Twitter, really making fun of the media and kind of sometimes perceived as hitting below the belt. And I just don't think that's going to fly on the main stage. It's not going to fly that you don't answer questions. It's not going to fly when there are reporters not just swooping in to cover you, but that are with you everywhere you go and watching every move and every awkward interaction, which we hear are plentiful when you're watching um, Governor DeSantis speaking to even constituents. And also remember, Donald Trump is there to take advantage of those missteps, as we see with this latest commercial um, they put out. Tim, is uh, is DeSantis ready for primetime? Um, I think I think we have to wait and see. I don't I don't want to say he's not. I don't want to say he is. Um, but the, the point about the media, I think, is very, is very important that he generally does not seem to like the traditional media. Like it's something that is 
you know, more broad-based. Donald Trump, when he was president, it was kind of like he acted like he did like media. He's a lot of feuding with media publicly. But behind the scenes, you know, you got the sense that he he would talk to the media off the record or, you know, he read the papers religiously in the morning, um, you know, even the ones that he would be <laughs> later that day out there attacking and bashing. Um, so, and I think that's, that's something that, you know, DeSantis is going to have to figure out is, can he run for president in a traditional sense by avoiding the traditional media? I think in some ways he possibly can. Like, you know, I think the, the nature of the America's media and political landscape is such that, you know, there's less need to be on CNN if you're a Republican because yeah. Donald Trump proved you can almost win. He came very close to winning despite, you know, be, having a somewhat confrontational relationship with traditional media. In Florida, DeSantis, though, has created sort of helped nurture this. It's, we have several pretty conservative media outlets that have sprung up on the DeSantis era that they get all the scoops or leaks from his administration, and it's kind of become a bubble. Um, yes, that bubble exists nationally. Also, when you look at Fox News and many extents, but it seems like DeSantis wants to push that and test that even farther than Trump did. And whether that works, if you're, you know, and that doesn't even get in the issue of the local media. Like when you're a presidential campaign, you have to go talk to, if you're in Pittsburgh, you have to go talk to KDK radio, you know, in a, in a Republican primary. And does DeSantis have that ability when he is sort of shown so far, he does not like that element of this political game. Jim? Yeah, I'd, I'd be interested in, in 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 hearing what kind of uh, alliances that DeSantis has been building, and 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 where his where his Trump kind of frozen that, because uh, uh, I mean we 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 saw it with the Ukraine uh, uh, with DeSantis's Ukraine co comments. Uh, number one, I mean uh, Marco Rubio came after him very very quickly. Uh, you haven't seen a whole lot of. Uh, I, at least I haven't seen a whole lot of uh, members of Congress, particularly in Florida, coming to, coming to 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 DeSantis's side, and and uh, I, I'm wondering what that says about his his ability to to kind of uh, to reach out to uh, beyond that to, into into South places like South Carolina or Iowa or New Hampshire. Well, Tim, let's just mention Florida in it itself. We know that a number of Florida uh, congressmen have already said they're going to endorse Trump. And uh, I think just in the last 24 hours, DeSantis's people asked the rest of the Republican delegation to freeze in position. Please don't make any decisions about endorsements. And I thought that was pretty fascinating, Tim. Uh, yeah, yeah, I believe there are, I think there are three congressmen, Republican congressmen and uh, that have already endorsed um, President Trump from Florida. I think that this speaks to his broader challenge, like we spoke about earlier, is, you know, what, what, how much of a nev never Trump element of the Republican Party really exists? Because that starts with DeSantis is, is going to have to make the inroads. Like, what percentage of the party is not want Donald Trump to be the nominee again? And, you know, I, so far it appears that is less than fifty percent. Um, so, you know, how does DeSantis go from there? I do think he has nurtured pretty successfully at least so far, and trying, like, politically. Um, groups like Moms for Liberty, which all seem to be sort of a creation of, it was a creation of people who were close to Ron DeSantis creating these groups that then took on these book challenges and these book issues that they then pushed out to the rest of the country with these school board issues. So I think, like, groups like Moms for Liberty perhaps becomes, like, sort of the, perhaps, soldiers in a Ron DeSantis presidential campaign. But again, a lot of that was based on the pandemic era of politics. You know, we were in the pandemic, mothers were at home, started reading their children's books, they say, and became enraged or outraged what they saw. We're entering, we're entering out of the pandemic. So 2024 may have an even a different issue set than we have now. And Donald Trump has always been pretty skillful at, um, you know, navigating whatever the issue is, by his personality. You know, people are attracted to Donald Trump's personality among the Republican Party. Ron DeSantis may not have that same quality to be able to attract people on his personality. Mm -hmm. So is he going to be aligned with them on the issues or not? We remains to be seen. All right. Um, Tim Craig gets the last word and our uh, uh, segment. Let's do this. Let's take our final break of the show. Back with more in just a moment. 
At a time when information continues to come at us faster and faster, sometimes you need to hit pause and rewind. NPR's Throughline takes you back in time to the source of the news stories filling your feed. Find NPR's Throughline wherever you get your podcasts. Danny Rivero, host of Florida Roundup. We played a pack ad attacking DeSantis a couple minutes ago. Let's play the audio of a pro-DeSantis pack ad that uh, started getting some air. Maybe it'll tell us something about how they plan to position him in the 2024 race. Across the country, men and women willing to fight. Standing up for our children, their education, and a better future. Pushing back against the woke left. And unleashing the next generation economy. You're coming after the rights of parents. I'm standing in your way. Freedom is here to stay. We believe freedom is worth fighting for. We, we, we never back down. So, Danny, I only played the last portion of that. It's a minute-long spot. And I have to say, I listened to it three or four times, and some of it's really muddled. I'm not quite sure what some of the messaging is, but clearly (laughs) the final portion which we played reinforces this notion of the culture warrior fighting allegedly for freedom. Yeah, that's right. I mean, it's, um, I mean, I think we've, we've been talking about it a, a little bit, but like at the, at the end of the day, Ron DeSantis has a fundamentally different personality than, than President Trump. And I think he knows that he's up against President Trump and he's trying to distinguish himself in some kind of way as a, as, as this, this warrior, um, who will fight cultural issues on your behalf. Right. And I, I mean, the way that I see it is President Trump at his core, I believe, is a populist. He wants people to like him. He he wants to do whatever it will do to make people like him as a person. And the vehicle for that is a kind of pragmatic conservatism, right? I mean, we we had him tiptoeing around, you know, whether he wanted abortion to be actually out, outlawed. You know, we had... Uh, Gays for Trump. He was like all for it. He's, he wants people to like him. DeSantis at his heart is basically showing himself to be an an ideologue, actually, like a true believer of a lot of these conservative policies. And um, that is not a populist stance. And that's what he's up against. So it's very much a narrative that's being crafted of, you know, positioning himself as this kind of warrior. You might not um, want to get a beer with the guy to use like the classical political thing, but you know, he's fighting on your behalf and it's, 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 it's really the narrative and the persona that is being crafted by, by his team to, to position himself that way. Um, but I think, Um, you know, the, the, the big question though, I think is like, it's not just the media and DeSantis getting in front of the media. That's the issue. It's, getting in front of people like he's not done town hall kind of meetings. He's not had a lot of um, of practice in that. And then that's when the narrative and the script kind of melts away and you're just left with a person. And who is he? Is he a warrior? Or is he just someone that talks down to people? Uh, Tim, a piece in the Daily Beast not long ago spoke to just what Danny's talking about, uh, and that is... Uh, DeSantis's aversion to uh, pressing the flesh. The governor's aversion to pressing the flesh and its concern over the risk of unexpected interactions with the public is already so well known that early primary state players are working to DeSantis-proof their events in in order to attract the flinty would-be candidate and his tight-knit team. Tim, oh, and by the way, Tim, there's a new uh, anti-DeSantis spot. I don't know if you've seen it yet, but... It goes after DeSantis for eating chocolate pudding with three fingers. <laughs> uh, he, he, yeah, I mean, I think that's him pressing the flesh. He had 
he does. He travels a lot. He he appears to like the attention of being. He travels around the state a lot. Like in some ways, he's around the state more than he's in Tallahassee. Um, but he, you know, and he tries. You know, recently at some of his events, you see him walking out to Republican audiences, throwing hats, trying to be more personable and trying to sort of be more personable. I think at the heart of it, though, is he does not. He feels he does not need to reach a certain segment of the population. So he needs to reach who he wants to reach, which is, you know, his conservative base. And he doesn't have a lot of time or attention or use to reach out to people who do not fit into that um, political segment. Uh, and I think that's kind of more his his issue than, you know, does he not like talking to people. I think that's probably true. Does he come across sometimes as very uh, brusque and direct? Yes. Does he get annoyed? Don't forget, it was a year ago where he was made national national youth for berating a, a child that was for not wearing, for, who wanted to wear a mask at one of his events. Um, so I think that's all challenges for him. I think at the end of the day, he, see, he, he has a vision of governing for who he wants to govern, which is, you know, a, a more conservative element of America. Um, and he has not shown much, you know, willingness or use to sort of reach out to people on the other side of the political spectrum. Is that different than Jim, President Trump? Maybe a little bit. Jim, I'm not kidding. There's a new spot. You know, <laughs> DeSantis has been knocked because apparently at some point in his younger days, that people saw him literally eating chocolate pudding with his fingers. Now, that sounds incredibly silly and trivial, but, you know, it's the sort of image that sticks in people's heads. In a way, it's not all that different from Donald Trump uh, decide, you know, calling Jeb Bush low energy. It's stuck. And so now there is actually a, a pro-Trump uh, spot on the air, an anti-DeSantis uh, spot on the air, showing someone eating pudding with three fingers. That's how this yeah. campaign is starting to unfold. <laughs> yeah, it, it's, it, it, it clearly is going to be the battle of the memes. Uh, let me ask, <laughs> if, if, I, if I could direct our, our, our Florida people and maybe include Tia in this, you know, uh, one of the most amazing uh, TV ads uh, of last year uh, was from DeSantis in the closing days of the gubernatorial race that basically said uh, that on the eighth day, God created Ron DeSantis. <laughs> Uh, and I'm not I, I'm not exaggerating t terribly. There it is so in the fight for 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 the evangelical vote. I mean, is is there any sign that he's pulling people away from Trump? Because I think that's going to be a key to key, key to his future. Uh, Danny and then Tim, why don't you weigh in on that? You know, I think it's uh, it's a it's a very good question, um, and I think. It's something that we'll have to pay more attention to. I mean, it, it, it's clear that policy-wise, he's very much aligning himself with the evangelical wing. I mean, we have we have a bill that that looks like it, it might get passed that um, will you know a lot of a lot of people fear will actually like ban pride events. I mean, there's a like a lot of evangelicals don't want public displays of gay pride of, of, of drag shows, et cetera. I mean, that's moving through the legislature on the flip end of it. It's also earning DeSantis a lot of enemies in the business community because there's an entire, you know, I'm thinking like Miami Beach, they have their pride event this weekend. Their economy is built up on that on on that event. Um, but he is playing to the evangelical kind of line that that is more aligned in it. I just don't I can't say where that leads us. Um, when it comes to an election. Tim, give us a quick uh, uh, answer on that. Well, I, just don't, I mean, don't forget that Ron DeSantis may not be running against just Donald Trump. We may have other Republicans in the field. Mike Pence could be very strong among the evangelicals. So if we, anyway, we, uh, Scott just got in the, uh, was likely to get in the election. So it's not just Ron DeSantis running against Donald Trump here. We ha There are other people who could, penetrate with evangelical voters um, in Iowa and South Carolina. Um, uh, uh, Tia and, of course, Tim Scott announced his uh, he's formed a, a, a committee to explore running for president. You've covered him on the Hill. Hey, but Tia, I want to ask you, 
You mentioned before the show that you've noticed there's been some criticism of the fact that DeSantis has not been paying the kind of attention that you would expect a governor to, to the terrible flooding along the east coast of the state in Fort Lauderdale, where Tim is right now. You can't afford not to pay attention to natural disasters um, and get very far as a national candidate, it seems to me. Yeah. And I think, you know, politically, it's not going to play well. You know, we already see Tim mentioned before the show, I think Donald Trump Jr. uh, tweeted about it. Um, So we know that DeSantis's political enemies are likely going to use this scenario of him signing abortion legislation while Fort Lauderdale was literally underwater. Um, But he did also declare a state of emergency in Fort Lauderdale. But I'll say this. Again, the mandate for Ron DeSantis was to govern the state of Florida. Voters chose him over Charlie Crist. If he starts getting the reputation in Florida that he's more concerned with his own political ambitions than looking out for the people of the state, it could really create kind of what Donald Trump faced. Remember when he went to Puerto Rico and was just... that those images. And so I think that's a risk there. And I'm sure people close to DeSantis are saying you need to spend some time in Florida. All right. Tia Mitchell gets the last word on today's political rewind. The hour went fast for me. And I'm very happy, Tia, that uh, you were with us. Jim Galloway, of course, I always love having you as my partner on the Friday show. Tim Craig of The Washington Post, Danny Rivero of Florida Roundup. Thank you so much for giving us a little more insight on uh, your governor, Ron DeSantis. That's it for us today. Um, I hope you all have a wonderful weekend out there. We're back with a brand new show on Monday. In the meantime, please take care, stay healthy, and be kind to one another. Bye, everybody.